Good morning. Well, it's 2016, and another year has arrived, and some of us are just glad we've made it this far and want to keep going. But this is the time of the year when people tend to review and discuss their plans and their goals for the coming year. Uh, Many organizations review or create mission statements to help communicate these goals. In our case, our leader has already established our primary mission. God, through his son, said, go tell the world who I am. This is the gospel message. God came to earth in the flesh as his son, Jesus Christ. He taught and showed us how he expects us to live. Then Jesus sacrificed himself as the perfect offering so we have the opportunity and hope of being one of God's children. This is God's plan. As far as I know, there's no plan B. Our task then is to determine how best to focus our energies and resources to accomplish God's mission. We do this now in a lot of ways. Uh, For example, our our foreign mission efforts are great. They need to be continued and encouraged. But for most of us, this is a matter of our pocketbook more than our day-to-day lives. We have taken surveys over the last year or so. We've held two talk-it-ups. We've had communication sessions. We've prayed a lot all in an effort to find out and determine how best to focus our efforts. And without stopping any of our many excellent existing ministries, we would like to present two areas that need your attention. First, for several years we have recognized and firmly believed that God put us in this physical location for a purpose. With almost 8,000 men and women right across the street on our doorstep, this is an opportunity we must embrace. This age group, many of whom are living apart from their parents for the first time, are seekers. They're reviewing what they've been taught and deciding their direction in life. We must ensure that they have the opportunity to know Jesus and what a blessing that will be for the rest of their lives. We're in the process of hiring a campus minister who can help us lead this effort. But this is not someone we just hire and tell to handle this for us. All of us need to find ways to get more involved, and in the weeks and months to come, we'll have more discussions about how we can be involved more in these efforts. Second, even a brief look at demographics shows that the baby generation, baby boom generation, is no longer the largest. Being just about in that age group, I recognize that. It's being replaced by the millenniums. I never can say that right. Millenniums. There we go. The 20 year olds. They are now the largest. In the future, All of us need to find ways to get to stay or get involved, but our future growth rests on reaching out to these 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, and 40-year-olds aid groups. That's the future. Many of us 
will still be active for years to come, but 10 years from now, 15 years from now, downstream, we need the energy, the enthusiasm, and the presence of these next generations for us to grow. So what does that really mean to us? Now, fortunately, both of these missions points have something in common. For example, they tend to be more casual. A few of us at least have on a coat. Several have on a tie. Nobody in this age group has on a coat and tie. That's just not our culture. That's not the way we live. But they do value relationships, and they want to be included. They want to be involved. We believe that an atmosphere in this congregation that is more friendly, inviting, intimate, and participatory will help us reach out to both of these groups. Over the next four weeks, one of your elders, starting this morning with Barry Owen, will better define what each of these words means to us than on Sunday morning, January the 31st, there will be a special presentation by some of our more creative members that were asked to dream about how we might create an atmosphere that is more friendly, more intimate, more inviting, and more participatory. This will be followed by Talk It Up sessions where you can all ask questions, give input, say what you would like to see involved in our future. Please plan to be here. It's going to be an exciting day. Put it on your schedule. Good morning. Uh, as you can see on the screen, the elders uh, have set four goals for, for us to consider. Friendly, intimate, inviting, and participatory. I believe these goals are a continuum, none of which can be met well if each preceding goal is not adequately addressed. I'm going to talk to you about our first goal, friendliness. I believe everyone sitting here knows what it is when they see it, and they can demonstrate it to others. Being friendly is showing an interest in others that creates a good feeling, a feeling that validates a Christ-like kindness to those who are the recipients. And like most acts of kindness, the giver usually feels better as well. Generally speaking, I think we're a friendly congregation, but we can do better with regard to being friendly to each other as, as members, but especially to those that are visiting. With visitors, it's the old adage, you may not get a second chance to make that first impression. I was looking at some information about what uh, the literature describes as genuinely friendly churches and the revisit rate for visitors to these types of churches that are described this way. These churches have a definition of being purposeful in that they are absolutely intentional in their efforts to make those who are visiting feel welcome. For churches who are intentional and purposeful in being friendly, the return rate for visitors is six times 
what it is in congregations that are unintentional in their welcoming practices. A co-worker of mine and his wife are in the process of finding a church home. So I ask him, what's the biggest factor in determining whether or not a congregation you are visiting gets a second visit? His answer, really simple, how friendly they are. How friendly are we to each other? Do we know one another well enough to have meaningful conversations beyond the casual hello? I believe there are others who are here who are more like you than you know. And if we can get beyond that casual hello and truly get to know one another, we can grow grow as existing members and grow those who visit us as well. If we are to be friendly, if we are to be inviting, intimate, participatory, we must first be friendly. Friendliness is the gatekeeper to church growth. Without it, we never reach our potential. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 describes nine attributes of Christian living. We know them as fruits of the Spirit. How better can we demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control than by being friendly to our brothers and sisters and those who are visiting and potentially looking for a church family? Would you join me as we pray? God, as we start a new year, we ask you to help us. Help us to know one another better. Help us to be friendly, to be kind, to be Christ-like to each other. God, we pray as we look to grow your kingdom that you would grant us wisdom and the courage to face all the challenges that might arise. Be with Chris as he delivers our lesson today. Let us be attentive and reflect on the message, always striving to serve you better. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Thank you to our shepherds for serving us this morning. Our shepherds served us to communion this morning. Thank you, Brent, for serving us by leading us in worship. And I hope you'll take the opportunity to thank your shepherds this morning. Get to know all of them. Get to know their families. And be friendly to them. Because what's going on here is um, something that I'm looking forward to, and I hope you will all this month as well. Our shepherds are taking the ideas that they've been praying about, ideas that, that are firmly rooted in God's Scripture, and they're, they're setting themselves to the task of, of asking and, and talking with us and saying, how do we take these ideas and put them into practice? Which is really what our leader, Jesus Christ, asked us to do. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, he says, those who take my words and put them into practice, it's like the wise person who builds a house on a great foundation, a firm and solid foundation. And everything we're talking about is building. We're talking about plans that have to do with this building, about being friendly and inviting and participatory. 
We've got this gift, this location, this property. We need to use it for kingdom purposes. And we want to be creative about that. But we've also got the spiritual house that has to do with this. And how are we going to take Jesus' words and put them into practice and build this house as well? Well, I hope that every week you are as eager as I am to hear from our shepherds. God has invested his spirit in them to lead us, so let's be led. And each week, I want to share a reflection on one of these words and how we can put it into practice and how biblically it connects to God's character. So let's start with friendly. Love Barry's words. Think about the things that he said. Have discussions with him about that. Have discussions with one another. But very quick, you've seen the question on the screen. Let me ask you to think real quick. Come up with this number. How many friends do you have? Well, and you may be saying, well, it depends on what you call a friend. Exactly. If you've been here a while, too, if you're a guest and a visitor, well, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, What people who've been here for a while will tell you is, you know, usually the first question he puts up is a trick question. They'd be right. They'd be right. That's not a good question. How many friends do you have? Um, You know, is it, are we just talking about people you know? If it's just people you know, then the number could run very high. If it's Facebook's definition of friends, then the number could run very high. I remember how excited I was when Facebook's little counter was telling me that I was getting close to a thousand friends. And then I wondered, how legitimate is that? Because I'm friends with a lot of fictional characters on Facebook. Some people on Facebook think I'm a fictional character. And I act like one on Facebook. But there, there's, you know, and, and people can be friends with celebrities on Facebook. I remember when Vin Diesel was everyone's friend. And that was when it was just getting started out. And they said, no, that's the real Vin Diesel. And that might be more legitimate than being friends with your sister's mother-in-law's second cousin, three times removed, gardener. Okay, but we count those people as friends. And I, I don't know that counting friends like that really counts as friends. A friend can have a very different definition when you stop and think about it, when we're not talking about contacts, when we're talking about people that we're truly close to and people that we share intimacy with or people that we participate in life with. The problem is not the number and how we count friends. Because if you have to count your friends, then maybe those friends don't really count, yes? Maybe the real question is, How friendly are you? This may seem like a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference. Because we've just changed it from friends as a commodity to a quality and a character of attitude and spirit that you are responsible for. When Jesus was asked by an expert of the law, what are the two greatest commandments? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That was easy. The expert of the law accepted that. He said the second command is, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, now that opens up up doors that we're not sure we want to go through. Love your neighbor as yourself? All that unrestricted love? All of that. I mean, how how responsible are we then? We're going to have to put some definitions on that. We're going to have to qualify that. Who's my neighbor, says the expert in the law. 
And because the expert in the law wants to qualify love for one another, Jesus has to teach a parable. And when you come to the end of that parable, the question has just been flipped over, and the question is no longer, who is my neighbor? The question has been changed to, who behaved as a neighbor? Here, we must look at this not as how many friends do we have or how many friends can we have, but how friendly am I? And it's a good question for us to ask as a congregation as well. Now, in asking that question, we may be wondering, well, you know, I know how friendly I am, but all these other people aren't friendly. You're not responsible for them in that way. You're responsible for you. And by being responsible for you, you will contribute to the friendliness of this congregation. Don't worry about everyone else, but ask yourself, how friendly are you? And the way we begin is we look at how friendly God has been to us. Take a look with me at John 15, verse 15. When you see what Christ is teaching here, and Christ, by the way, and we we said this at the end of last year, Christ is the cornerstone for who we are. Christ sets the definition for the kind of character we ought to have, for the kind of people that we ought to be. This spiritual house that we're building is set by the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, Christ's teaching is that He is the vine and we are the branches. And that we become who we're truly meant to be when we're connected to Him. So this thing that we call church, this event that we call worship, that appointment that we keep with the Creator of the universe, with the Master, with the Lord and the Teacher, we are being connected to the life-giving vine. And in that, He reflects His love for us. He tells his disciples, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants do not understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. Jesus is speaking of the intimacy that he has with the Father, of the closeness, the unity, the oneness, that he and the Father have the same mind. And so he's inviting his disciples, he's inviting you and I into that circle of friendship. Not simply to be servants who should just do what we're told, but friends. And the doing and the telling become one. So that we know what he's thinking and we do what he's thinking. We put it into practice. We know what God's plans are. Even if we can't understand or fathom all of them, we know that God has good plans. And we know that God has hope as part of His plan. And we know that God has life as part of His plan. And we know that God can ensure that from generation to generation, there will be people who will tell the truth about what God is doing. And when we get that close to someone who names us as a friend... We're going to be friendly as well, aren't we? There's no reason why we shouldn't be friendly. I want you to know this today. I'm on your side. So many of you have declared and stated what your goals are for 2016. You've either told me or you've posted it or you've written about it. Or it's the same thing it's been every year. And that's fine. I'm on your side. I love to see you do better. And I want to help you 
in your plans to better yourself. And I also want you to make this community, this church, this spiritual community rooted in Christ as part of your plan for doing better and growing and being healthy in the upcoming year. And you'll find that you have a lot of people on your side. But as much as I'm on your side, better still is the fact that Jesus Christ is on your side. He names you a friend. So as you think about all these things that you can do in the upcoming year, as you think about those things, and maybe you're trying to overcome some limitations, maybe friendliness comes to you very easily, maybe it doesn't, don't worry about that. Friendliness is something that all of us can practice. I got to say this because I know there's always, there's always somebody out there who says, well, you don't know me and you don't, you, you don't know how I am. Listen, if you can just smile a little bit more and don't say negative things, you're more friendly, okay? Thank you. We're okay with that. But I don't think that's true of very many of you. I think the fact is sometimes these relationships can intimidate us. It can be scary. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, do these people want friendship? Do, should I reach out to them? What should I do? Thank God that he did not ask those questions when he reached out to us and named us friends. He didn't hesitate. He didn't wait for us to initiate the friendship. He, he just said, I'm going to name you as friends. He didn't ask us our opinion on that. He didn't seek out what we thought. He said, I'm including you as a friend, which tells me that friendship is more than just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It tells me that friendship has something to do with the way we define a relationship with others, but also by the way we choose to treat others. That it's something that we take the initiative with and that we're intentional about the way we behave towards others. Look at what God does. God has chosen to be friendly towards us. That even when we could be counted among his enemies, even when we had no regard for God, he still chose to count us as his friends. Even when we couldn't understand him, even when he sent his son to reveal his nature, his love, his care for us, and we still didn't get it or were struggling to get it. Maybe we weren't there to crucify him, but maybe we're like those disciples who know that Jesus is kind of okay, but we don't quite understand who he is. And yet, despite all of that, he chooses to name us as friends. I'm going to say this every week about each one of these words. If Christ has been friendly to us, then shouldn't we be friendly towards one another and towards all those that Christ loves? We should. And He has been friendly towards us. And I want you to know this, that when we are friendly to one another, when we are friendly to all of those that that God loves, even those who don't yet know that He's their friend, every time we do that, even in the simplest of ways, but even in the greatest of ways, You and I are contributing to God's vision for this world. The kind of peace and the kind of vision that he has for the way we ought to live with one another. But it all begins by being a friend to Christ. Start there. Christ says that in in John 15, he said, 
You are my friends when you follow my teaching. Twice now, the emphasis is on following his teaching. And part of that teaching includes being friendly. He calls us to be a friendly people. And we are his friends when we follow his teaching. And when we follow his teaching, we are taking his words, putting it into practice. And in my own paraphrase, Jesus says, that's a really smart thing to do. I'm on your side. Christ is on your side. Will you be on his side? As we stand and sing this song, we're going to show friendliness to one another by encouraging one another. Maybe someone needs a little extra encouragement today. Those shepherds who've been serving us are ready to pray with you today. And that's an act of friendliness and kindness. So let's stand, let's sing together, and let's show the friendliness of God to one another.